Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces, breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education, loving. It's about learning, liberatory practices, defining love for ourselves and giving our love to as much of the world as it can possibly contain. Let's find each other. Let's support each other. All of these stories are important and should be shared. Peace, greetings, saubona, what up? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Fear of the Free Child podcast with me, Akila S. Richards. And as always, got something dope for you. And the show notes page is akilasrichards.com forward slash Kaylin, K-A-Y-L-A-N. What's so dope about Kaylin is that she has really been unschooling herself. Y'all know that I have some episodes of the podcast that are less about self-directed education, specifically applied to our children, and more about our own process of de-schooling and unschooling ourselves, unlearning the things that we've been socialized and groomed to know and believe. And then really, once those layers are peeled back, looking at who and how we actually are, and then going forward for that. So we've had Karan Kajadar who um, is also an adult unschooler in that sense, ETL McVeigh, who also is involved in self-directed education with her children and her husband, but also has done a lot of de-schooling and unschooling herself and so many of us. So Kaylin definitely is among that tribe. She was a part of the standard American dream system and left all of that and eventually moved to Namibia, where she lives now where she also met her partner and now has a son. And so we're just going to go into that conversation a bit about being groomed in one particular way and then taking the bits of yourself and your history and your upbringing that resonate with you most to design the life that you want. Really, really good. And I know you're going to enjoy it. So the Skype version of this conversation, make sure you go to the show notes page for this show if you want to watch this conversation. I also want to take this time to thank our new patrons, Michelle, Malika, Amanda. Thank you so much for showing your support for Fair of the Free Child podcast by becoming a patron. And for anyone who's interested in donating anything from $3 a month to $3 million at one time, head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Akila, A-K-I-L-A-H. And I also have a question to respond to, which I'll do in one of the next couple of episodes from Sonia, who's one of our patrons from last month. Big up, Sonia. What up? She asked a really good question that I think Chris and I are going to take that one and, and dedicate an episode to that question about how we do this sort of thing without having eight bazillion dollars in the bank. <laughs> so look out for that episode. Let's get into the dialogue with Kaylin. 
All right, so on this podcast, y'all know we talk about liberation through self-directed education. And from what I know about Kaylin's story, it is very much about directing her own path, going against the norm, to embrace her own grain, and really to design a liberatory practice that is outside of the, the norm in terms of corporate America, the standard American dream. So I'm really, really happy that I reached out to Kaylin and she said yes. Kaylin is a writer, a mother, a wife, and an African-American living in Africa, as her blog is titled. Kaylin, welcome, and thank you so much for agreeing to do this segment of the podcast. Thank you so much, Akila. It's an honor um, to be on your awesome platform, so thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. And so we started talking already. We were just like getting into it. I was like, oh, let me hit record. Can Kaylin, you give us a little bit more? Tell us about what you primarily write about on your blog and, and sort of like how you got to this space. Sure. Um, I am African-American and I am based in Namibia, which is just above South Africa. And I've been here for about the last six years. Um, I first came as a volunteer teacher teaching Namibian high school students. And then I ended up meeting um, my husband, who's Namibian, and we got married in 2014. And now we have um, a 22-month-old son. Um, and in terms of professionally, what I do right now, um, I freelance write. Uh, that's like one thing that I do. Um, and then, you know, for the past couple of years, I also created uh, my own website, uh, blog, I guess you could call it, um, titled African American in Africa. And it's basically a, plat a web platform that chronicles the experiences of African Americans living across the African continent. And so I interview um, other African Americans living in Africa. I write my own reflections. Um, you know, I studied journalism at Howard. So it's kind of, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of in line with what I studied. Um, and you know, yeah, that's pretty much my story. You know, I, I freelance write and I also, you know, work from home. So I am staying home with my son who is still, you know, just one years old. Uh, and so, yeah, that's yeah. me. <laughs> and that's plenty. That's plenty. Thank you. And as I mentioned, one of the things that I, I recently, I discovered Kaylin's blog maybe a year ago, I think maybe even a little bit less. And I just went through like so many of the blog posts and then I found the Facebook page and it's such a beautiful resource. I'm so grateful that you Thank made you. the time to do that. Yes, because I um, this is our first time visiting the continent and you've kind of been like just kind of my helper along the way, even though I, I didn't reach wow. out until now. Yeah, totally. Right. Because, of course, you have the varied perceptions and perspectives about Africa. Very similar thing. We've been digital nomads for almost seven years. And when we decided we we're based in Atlanta and when we decided to start going back to Jamaica, where we're from but we left as children. I was 10 and my husband, Chris, was maybe like seven or eight. And everybody's like, oh, mm -hmm. God, it's not safe. And, you know, you hear all of the things. <laughs> but we've gone for many years and we've had no issues. I mean, right. nothing outside of the norm and, and things that we've had far more drama in Georgia <laughs> than we did mm -hmm. in Jamaica, whether we were in Kingston or Falmouth or wherever. And mm -hmm. I think that... um. That's one of the things that drew me to your story, because you come from, in a sense, sort of a traditional uh, background mm -hmm. and you did all the checklist correct things and you went to right. college right. and, you know, you really could right. have gone deeper into the American dream. But you decided right. to design a path that was liberatory for you. And then you moved and, you know, mm -hmm. you followed this path and now you're living there. And as you write about it, isn't like easy street all day. But it is right. very much in alignment with with who and how you are and what you how you want to show up in the world. And I, I wanted to share that because a lot of us are so afraid to do that. So, Kaylin, for you, what what 
made that shift something that you could no longer ignore? What made you say, you know what, I am going to leave this great job or whatever, and I'm going to explore this thing despite all of the, you know, the naysayers and the, the doubt, I'm sure. Right. Um, I went to college um, in Washington, D.C., and, you know, right after that, I was basically working in broadcast news, um, you know, which interesting in, you know, because it sort of exposed me to a lot of like current events and international, um, you know, happenings and just what's going, what was going on around the world, just, you know, by the nature of working in that, um, in broadcast television. Uh, But I also, you know, like at the tender age of about 21 or 22, really started, um, you know, just noticing all of the isms of corporate America. Um, And, you know, that really started to turn me off, you know, like, I was a pretty bright, um, you know, like employee and things like that. But I noticed, you know, a lot of like unsavory things um, that were going on, you know, like when it was like me versus like a lot of my white coworkers around mm-hmm. my age who weren't necessarily working as hard, but, you know, really like with that, like, um, you know, sort of good old boys club, I guess you could call it like network. They would just be like pushed to the top, you know, like yeah. whatever. So I really became disenchanted early on. Um, And, you know, when I was 23, still working for, still working in broadcast news in Washington, D.C., my mother passed away completely out of the blue. And it sort of coincided with um, a trip that I was getting ready to take to um, the Caribbean, to Barbados, which is where my mother's side of the family is from. My Mm -hmm. friend and I had planned a trip. Um, So my mother passed away, but we, you know, rescheduled our trip and we went to Barbados um, and it was definitely, you know, needed for me. And we just had a complete blast. And that really like changed the game for my life. It just changed the entire trajectory. Um, I I fell in love with like just the energy of being in a a black country, you know, the warm weather, um, the people, the culture. And, uh, you know, it's like I came back home two and a half weeks later and like everything had changed and I just couldn't get living, moving outside of the country. Um, You know, I was just totally over where I was working and everything. Um, And so that kind of like kicked off my interest in living overseas. I ended up um, living in Barbados because uh, my grandmother was actually living there as well. She had retired there. Ah. Um, I ended up, yeah, I ended up going back um, and spending like about a year and a half. Then I had to return back to the U.S., but still living abroad in a black nation was always on my mind. And so, um, you know, I would say in two, yeah, in 2010, I finally, um, you know, after doing a lot of research, uh, I basically um, applied and got accepted to a program called World Teach. Uh, and that gave me the opportunity to live abroad in an African nation here in Namibia. And so I went with that program. Um, and that's how I, you know, basically ended up here. So for me, uh, it was just like, I think it had, again, it's just my mother, um, you know, just the way she raised me and the, the, the mindset that she instilled in me, um, has always, you know, been just to sort of, um, go above being average. And, you know, she just raised me that way. And so I always, uh, so I wasn't really that afraid of, um, you know, stepping outside of my, of the norm, I guess you could say. Uh, And it's just something in me that I, I, you know, really went with what I wanted to do. Um, You know, and I wasn't nervous about, you know, being away from home and things like that. Like, I know a lot of people think about that, you know, when it comes to like, oh, you know, moving outside of the country, they say they could never imagine leaving their family and things like that. But at the time, you know, I really didn't have any of those feelings. Like I was just like, you know, just ready to go. And so, um, you know, I guess that spirit, you know, and and maybe it's a little bit genetic. I don't know, like Mm -hmm. my um, you know, my grandmother, the one that retired and moved to Barbados, you yeah. know, yes, her parents were from there, but she, uh, 
lived, she was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York and worked as a, as a, as a, as an RN and, you know, but she also kind of had that travel bug. And as soon as she retired, she like sold her brownstone <laughs> in Brooklyn and moved to Barbados, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, I think it's kind of like, just kind of what I've seen and maybe a little bit of genetics. I don't know, like just some <laughs> a dynamic combination all around. Yes, exactly. You know, yes. so, um, you know, that's kind of like just my background and how I ended up coming here, you know, regardless of, yeah, most of my friends were, n- none of my friends were, were moving abroad or anything like that back right. when I first anything came. crazy like that, right? Quote, unquote. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that you also are, um, Oops. that's okay. I love that you're Sorry also about- honoring the, uh, the women in your life, you know, and the, the impact and the influence that they had in that way, because very similar thing. My mother, I think of all her siblings, she's definitely the adventurer. My mom will be like, right. instead of painting the walls, I'm going to move. I'm just going to move right. to somewhere else. Like, and <laughs> exactly, she's always exactly. been that way. Yeah. So I don't, exactly. I also don't have that fear of change at all. I, I um, crave it at times. And then I also yeah. becoming a parent, becoming a mother really just got me charged up about, liberatory mm-hmm. living in, in all together. I talk a lot about raising free people and I also include, include myself in that, you know, how do I right. continue to feel uplifted and like I am uplifting uh, people mm-hmm. and spaces that are not heard, which is the other aspect of what I love so much about what you're doing, Kayla. And I saw what prompted me to reach out finally was that you posted something about black businesses in Namibia. You were mm-hmm. mentioning how like very similar to what I'm seeing here in Johannesburg and I've only been in Johannesburg, yeah. so I can only speak to my limited knowledge. Um, and I've mm-hmm. only been here, we've been here for like, what, I don't know, three weeks or so, maybe a month. Um, mm-hmm. That still it's the descendants of the colonizers who are in right. power primarily. And you mentioned a similar right. thing with Namibia. And so I love that yeah. you said, cause we're going to take a trip there for sure. So I love that mm-hmm. you're like, this is where you go. You go to this village right. for beef. Exactly. And <laughs> you know, like that was just so helpful. So um, that's one of the resources I want to make sure that I share on the blog, but why, why does that even matter? Why does that matter to you, Kaylin, that we are aware of black owned businesses and movements that are happening on the continent? Um, well, you know, number one, the first problem that I see is that African travel and the topic of African travel is very much like dominated by like white European perspectives and voices. Um, and even in Africa, you know, like in many countries, a lot of the hotels are owned by, you know, whites, you know, who have just had this leg up in a nation, you know, because of colonialism. Yeah. Um, and so it's always, you know, to me, um, interesting when I read, when I page through like tra- travel guides for Namibia, for example, you know, like I can just tell that they're written from like white perspectives and they usually just sort of, um, you know, touch the surface of the real, you know, experience of, you know, this country, you know what I mean? Like they have a lot of emphasis on like very touristy things, you know, like safaris. And I mean, safaris are, you know, they're great, but there's so much more obviously to a country and the people, you know, than just animals and, and, um, or, or like, uh, sightseeing, you know, like in terms of, um, you know, just like geography and things like that. So, um, you know, I, through my, my years here, especially, I think I've obviously had like, um, a bit more, a bit of a deeper insight because I'm also black. Um, you know, like I've had deeper experiences, you know what I mean? Um, you know, there's definitely something to to be said for, for being a black of an African American or, um, you know, someone of African descent and your experience on the continent. Um, you know, we are sort of like, I think 
not automatically, but a lot, like it's a lot easier for us to, I think, immerse ourselves a bit deeper into, you know, yes, an African know um, exactly what society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, just because of, you know, my own background and my own interests, like I've really seen that, like the, the narrative as it pertains to tourism and things like that and experiencing Namibia is so whitewashed, I would say. Um, and, you know, I've had many, you know, great opportunities and just, you know, like really gotten a chance to interact with the, the different tribes of this country. And so I, you know, I, I, I wrote an article on my blog, um, you know, about ways to support, uh, you know, things that you can, ways that you can experience this country um, and really, you know, being, uh, interacting at a much deeper level than just the surface level tourism. And of course, it's important to support um, you know, the black population of this country, you know, like, yes, the government mm-hmm. is black, but most of this country, um, most of the black people are, you know, really struggling financially, living paycheck to paycheck, or can't even, you know, or struggling with unemployment and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, you know, obviously identify um, with, you know, with with trying to better or, or wanting better for, you know, for, for black Namibians. And so, um, you know, if anybody is to visit this country, you know, just try not to get too caught up in, in you know, supporting white establishments. You know, these, yeah, just like in South Africa, uh, uh, white white Namibians, as they're called, really have a leg up financially because of, you know, just their, of colonialism and things like that. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's really important to, you know, step outside of all of that and, you know, dig a bit deeper in terms of visiting the country um, just so that you can support and help the local population. Yes, wonderful. And no longer are we going to be able to use the excuse of not knowing because it can be hard to find very similar thing with Jamaica. When we first started going back, we were going to Sandals resorts and, you know, doing all of the things that were owned by whites and Chinese, but not realizing, Oh, now we know to make sure that we're looking for our people in that way and supporting. Exactly. And so, yeah. And so that's why I love that you did that. So I am going to put that on this, the show notes page for this episode as well. And also, I'll be taking advantage of, she does consultations, so you can call <laughs> if it's an hour or 30 minutes, which I think is brilliant and such a wonderful mm-hmm. thing to offer because you've been mm-hmm. there and you can right. give that perspective and you can answer specific questions and you can right. dispel myths and affirm things or right. say when you don't know. You know, that's, right. that's really important. We don't have, what you're doing is offering us access in a way right. that's really, really important. And I, I have the benefit of knowing someone here as well, an unschooler, um, a South African of Indian descent, so a brown woman, mm-hmm. who's really mm-hmm. just kind of helped us with certain perspectives and, you know, nice. just the reality of it. Yeah. And also knowing some folks from Lesotho who can really tell us what's good and how to support right. our own. So I really love that you're doing that. And then the That's other good. thing that I love, Kaylin, is how you mentioned, as <laughs> I was telling you, that I read a recent blog post where you were saying your son who uh, he's mm-hmm. not even two yet. And you were talking right. about some of the not so wonderful sides of being in Namibia is that you grew right. up in New York and Manhattan is close mm-hmm. to where you grew up. So you went to museums and you did all the things right. and you were right. thinking, man, my son should, you know, this is probably what, you know, he <laughs> needs to, but then realizing right. like he loves being outside, maybe chasing chickens or, you know, just right. doing like right. fun things that, so That I couldn't leave without addressing that part, too, because so much Mm -hmm. of what we talk about in terms of like raising free people is to understand the difference between 
um, on knowing what you want for your child or wanting the best for your child, but also right. not, not having this vicarious idea or mm -hmm. that they are this extension of you that whatever you thought was good, they would think it's to really right. observe and watch and see what's good for them. So I, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so I love that you brought that up too. So how is that going now as you just sort of continue to navigate? I know it's pretty much brand new because <laughs> he's kind of brand right. new. How are you right, navigating right. that space? <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, this is the third town that I've lived in over the six years that I've been in Namibia. And uh, I've lived in the capital city before. Uh, I lived in an even smaller town before. Um, but this town has presented some, you know, unique challenges, I would say, for me. Um, there is like a significant white population. Um, that's, you know, one of the things. And, you know, with that definitely comes some, you know, I would say racism and prejudiceness, definitely. <laughs> mm. um, and, you know, as an African-American, at least, it's just Namibians seem to sort of, they're a bit more passive a lot of the times than maybe like we are, I think, than African Americans are. Um, so that has been challenging for me um, in this particular town. Uh, and then it's just, it's a small town um, and there really isn't much for me to do at all. And there isn't, you know, much for, in my eyes, for my mm -hmm. son to do. You know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, that's been my struggle, I would say, over the last, you know, since like, the, the last uh, 21 months. That's all my, that's how old my son is. Um, and so, yeah, it's been challenging because, you know, the way I was raised, um, you know, my mother, you know, like I was saying, it was such a dynamic mother, such a dynamic hands-on parent. She really, um, she stayed at home, you know, she didn't work while she was raising my brother and I, and she really just crafted like such uh, an amazing like upbringing, you know, like now I'm, now that I'm a parent, like I can seriously, like even more so like appreciate it. Yeah, um, exactly she, that. she really went, up, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so she really went like above and beyond, you know? Um, and so, yeah, like I grew up, you know, going into the city to, you know, see Broadway shows and I was, you know, enrolled in different organizations. And I mean, she, like, she just, made such a, um, an amazing um, like childhood for, you know, for my brother and I. And uh, that's kind of what I'm used to. And also just through social media, I see other black parents, you know, that are in the U.S. and they're, they've got their kid doing this and that and involved in all these things. And I don't have like um, any of these like uh, options, you know, like available yeah. to me. Um, and so, you know, there have been times where I felt like I, you know, my son was missing out on something, you know, um, but like, of course, you know, all in all, like, it, it's really forced me to, um, yeah, separate my, my, myself and my upbringing, you know, from, from, from his, you know, and I'm, and this is all a learning process. Sure. His parenthood, like really. And it never ends. It doesn't, <laughs> exactly. girls are 13 and 11 and I'm still like, wow. oh, yeah. word, you know, things right. are still like brand new for me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, it's, 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 it's really taught me and shown me how to, um, you know, just, view uh what childhood can be from a completely different perspective you know um and as long as he's happy you know I think that's the bottom line yes. um for right now so if he doesn't have you know the swimming classes to get enrolled in or the play group you know where I can hang out with other black mothers or whatever you know these are the things I think that you know is mi I'm missing out on if he you know he's he's okay and he's fine I mean he has a a healthy home you know and two loving parents you yes. know and <laughs> 
the, um, you know, when we do travel to my in-laws, my husband's um, parents, they live in a very rural village about uh, six hours north of where where we live. Mm. Um, And that's an awesome, you know, really one of a kind experience that I definitely did not grow up having, you know, (laughs) like, so he has a, you know, a great balance, you know what I mean? Like he gets to experience the village life um, of Namibia and and retain, you know, and really learn about his father's culture. And then, you know, we also traveled to New York, um, you know, to visit like, you know, my dad and things like that. So, you know, I've really had to think a lot and just um, like reshape just my entire, all of my expectations for what, you know, I always grew up thinking parenthood, you know, would be like for me, you know, like I, and, you know, and, and at the end of it, like, although I found like um, this small townness, you know, and the lack of quote unquote things to do, you know, to be frustrating. um, It's definitely been a bit like, you know, uh, I I can tell I've, I've, it's taken time, but I've recognized that it's been, you know, personally a good um, sort of a soul shaping experience for me yeah. as well. Um, you know, and the, you know, just life is not necessarily meant to be easy. Um, and there's more to life than, you know, what the big cities have to offer. Um, and so, you know, it's been, yeah, so it's, you know, it's been a very um, interesting, you know, almost two years of parenthood in this town and things like that. And it's, it's gotten easier. I think the more that I accept it, you know, it's, you know, I've come over a bit of a hump. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's really, you know, I've just, I've, I've kind of done like not a total 360, but I look at, I've, I've really learned to look at things from a, a bit of a more, um, a brighter perspective. So, and your son yeah. will continue to help you with that because the more I, <laughs> vocal he becomes, the more you get right. to learn him as well the more mm-hmm. that it will be so much less about what, you know, what you think you need to be doing or not doing for him right, and right, more so right. just facilitating what he's showing you that he's right. interested in. And that's one of mm-hmm. the beautiful things about embracing this idea of not, not needing it to be packaged a certain way. And right, very, right. I mean, I'm like right. nodding like crazy because when we, some of the parts of Jamaica that we stayed in, we did Kingston the first couple of years and then it just got so expensive that we were mm. in smaller towns and, we were right, coming right. from Atlanta where the girls were in dance and gymnastics and karate. Right. And, and I was exactly. like, oh, my God, this is so lame. Like, I couldn't. Right. I was like, what are they going to do? But they were fine. Right. They like going outside. Right. They like the accents of the kids. They like that mm. they could pick a mango off the mm. tree. Just these small mm. things that I was exactly. just like, yo, calm down, son. Like, this is my right, stuff. Right. And so much <laughs> of parenting is like your right. stuff. And they, right. you know, and then right. too, even thinking about how present you get to be for your son and your husband. That's so true. Like if you're getting dropped off at all these things all the time, so many people that I know talk about that as adults, how they are just getting to know their parent now or they didn't at all because their parent passed before. So he has you now. He has you Tuesday at 1030 you know, right. like that alone. That's <laughs> right. true. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. But I hear yeah, exactly. you, you know, go through your process. It is what it is. And I think it's important to not feel crazy for any of the feelings. Right. I think that's normal. And it's all coming from a space of wanting like the best for your child. Right. So, but it's right. just right. to be really present to say, you know what? I'm observing mm-hmm. him. Is he happy? Exactly. Is he engaged? Exactly. Does he seem like exactly. he's thriving? So, yeah. So I love that you were able to just so early on in his journey to be present with that and to say, you know what? He seems okay, And maybe that's pretty relevant. I love that. (laughs) Right. Right. It's true. It's very true. And thank you for all of that. I mean, I 
um, you know, I mean, I, this is my first time chatting with you, but I really respect, uh, like your platforms and your, Thank your you. voice and, you know, just everything. Like, so just to have this conversation with you, like, it's really helpful to me and very Good. insightful and very eye-opening, like hearing it from, you know, like, uh, another parent, of course. And, you know, I just... Thank you so much. You're very <laughs> welcome. You're very and we're so we Kaylin Reed Chapanga. Did I say your last name right? Is it Chapanga? Yes. Okay. Yes, <laughs> Kaylin Reed Chapanga, thank you so much for being here with us on Fair the Free Child podcast. You guys, the mm-hmm. show notes page is gonna be akilasrichards.com forward slash Kaylin. K-A-Y-L-A-N, really easy, K-A-Y-L-A-N. And I will put um, the link to her blog and a couple of specific blog posts, especially that one about Black businesses in Namibia. And um, we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Kaylin. Thank you so much, Akila. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at akilasrichards.com.